Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Elizabeth. Yes? You know what's ridiculous? Yeah. I'll tell you what's ridiculous. The crying laughing emoji. Why is that ridiculous? It's ridiculously stupid. <laughs> because really? people you use it. strong opinions about this. I have a lot of strong opinions about a lot of things. I like that about you. One of them is the crying laughing emoji because people use it. On stuff that's not really that funny. It's kind of, you know, how LOL, right? Uh-huh. Laugh out loud. And people aren't laughing out loud about that. Wait a minute. They do like the... you, You're telling me that when people write LOL to me, they did not really laugh out loud? Because I did. I LOL'd. I, I hate to break it to you. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a... I, I, let that harsh reality sink in for a second. <sighs> but when, when people put LOL, they're doing like the closed mouth smirk. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And then crying laughing is not even an LOL, not even an absolutely, they're not making a noise. And they're certainly not weeping with laughter. <laughs> now, where do you place LMAO, laughing my ass off? Where do you, is that's that like a, they even may, less or they, more? They may have done the closed mouth chuckle. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think people send if they actually did laugh out loud? They do what I do with the H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A. Okay. H-A-H-A. okay. 
I like and then it depends that. on how many. Like if you really cracking up, you run in a line or two. <laughs> I like to switch Drive languages. Go from H A H A to J A J A J A. Like you made me yeah, laugh yeah, in yeah, Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like Tihi. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, right. that's that's good. That is fully ridiculous. Thank you. Now, how about a hinge of history? Okay. Okay. Now, when I say a hinge of history, this is like when a door was swinging, not quite to swing shut or swing open. It's just swinging, right? But this hinge of history, it was the moment in San Francisco when the spirit of the times, which switched from the beats to the hippies, and how all that came about because of a fight between the SFPD and a mime troupe. A mime troupe? Yeah. You know, like, don't say anything, sure. wear funny makeup, sure. mime troupe. So one of the results of their battle was that Bill Graham, you know Bill Graham. Yes. He learned how to promote the bands who were making music in the Bay at that time. I mean, you know these bands as The Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, Big Brother and the Holding Company. Mm-hmm. All of this gets kicked off because of, well, not, when I say all of this, I mean the summer of love, the hippies, the takeover of San Francisco by the love generation. All of this starts because the SFPD got in a fight with a mime troupe. Wow. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. I'm Zara Burnett, and you are... Elizabeth Dutton? Yeah. I That's guess. right. I guess. Now, you ready for a story, Miss Elizabeth Dutton? Always. Okay. Before we get in deep into this story, mm-hmm. you are a Bay Area... Native, resident, local. Fifth generation. Damn. So you are like steeped in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Stink of it. <laughs> no, what do you think? Stop. Of stop laughing at the me. The Bay Area's creative history. Is this just something you're proud of, something you're to take for granted? What's your take on it? I'm incredibly proud of it. How so? I think that it, you know, create, we've produced, and I say we because I had a part in it. Yeah, you're deep. All the it. way back, hundreds of years. The Bay Area has produced incredible art, literature, music, and I think a lot of it is my theory about the people who came here and basically booted everybody else out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pioneers mm-hmm. who came had to be kind of nuts, right? Yeah, to Pick totally. up stakes and... Cross a continent. Roll the dice. R- cross an ocean. Cross an ocean, cross a continent, what have you. Uh, you got to be a little nuts. Mm-hmm. That runs in families. <laughs> and as someone who comes from a really bohemian, eccentric family, mm-hmm. that you know, you there's a long lineage. And so you come, I, I take it all back to the, the bonkers folks who showed up here. So there's a spirit of the place. Yeah. And I think the best, most creative, interesting people are nuts. I totally agree. Yeah. So speaking of that, we'll get right into the creative history. You also taught English, so I think I can ask you about this. Mm-hmm. Allen Ginsberg had a very famous poem, Howl. Yes. Do you, did you ever teach that? You know anything about it? I've taught it. Oh, um, okay. I also, that was one of the books when I went off to college, my grandmother gave me Howl and other poems. Oh, dope. And, uh, Look at your like, grandma. This is a, yeah, she's a badass. Uh, this is an important piece of literature for you to have. And mm-hmm. it's actually... I, I really love Howl, but I also, it contains one of my other, one of my favorite poems, Which Back is? of the Real. Oh. Huh. Yeah. That's a great Ginsburg poem. Mm-hmm. So you're a, you're a Ginsburg fan then? Sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not using it as my normal. Yeah, sure, whatever. No, I know. I you really are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now with how it has, uh, as you kind of point out, uh, the anti-authority legacy, do you remember the the fight over Howell? Oh, yeah. Well, there's obscenity charges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence Ferlinghetti gets involved mm-hmm. as the publisher. And uh, do you think of Lawrence Ferlinghetti as like, you know, as a writer and as an English like professor, do you think of it him as like... A really like a high point in American history? Or, like, where do you place Lawrence Sperlinghetti and like what he did to protect literature? Oh, I think he's absolutely essential in that history that not only it, for his own works as a poet, but more importantly as a champion for mm-hmm. for other writers and poets and not just in the Bay Area, but all over the world, marginalized voices or voices that wouldn't normally get the megaphone. He handed it over totally. and was willing to put himself on the line for it. So. I've got good news for you. He features in this story. Oh, nice. Now, I got one last question for you. I'm all ears. The Beats, do you, are you a fan of the Beats? Yes. Okay, and the Hippies, are you a fan of the Hippies? Sure. Do you think of them as spiritual cousins? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think there's a, I see a connection, I see How a so? through line. That it's this notion of, with the Beats, you had this disillusionment coming out of World War II and a feeling of not connecting with society at mm-hmm. large and also wanting to dare and express oneself in ways that felt really natural to the self, but not to the society. Ooh, I like that. And so, thank you. And uh, <laughs> the hippies, kind of the same thing, looking around at this this culture and society that we're, we're born into, the framework, and saying, well, that doesn't really hit with how I feel at my core and my mm-hmm. base instincts. And so I'm going to lean into, you know, how I, answering my own call. Yeah. And then growing up and rejecting it in the 80s and doing a lot of coke and then being a day trader. <laughs> Exactly. The then becoming yuppies, hippies to yuppies. Yeah. 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 No, that that's even that's more beautiful than I would have put it. I basically would have just kind of focused on the fact that their their goals were similar of freedom and natural existence and being unshackled from authority and, and the constrictions of society and the expectations of generations prior to them whose worlds no longer apply. All the stuff that mm-hmm. you know you see, which being regenerated generation after generation after generation, the constant fight. And cool clothes. And cool clothes. And and kind of smelling a little funny. Yeah. All the good stuff. The Beats and the Hippies, right between them was a a couple major conflagrations, if you will, of culture. There was Lenny Bruce getting arrested at the Jazz Workshop for obscene language in 1961. You you a fan of Lenny Bruce? Yep. Now, after Lenny Bruce, there was the aforementioned San Francisco mime troupe who fought the SFPD. But... (laughs) Before we get into that, we'll stick with Lenny Bruce for one second. Please. Now, Lenny Bruce, for anyone like, you know, who is unfamiliar, are you for someone who's unfamiliar with Lenny Bruce or are you someone who's familiar? I'm I'm familiar with Lenny Bruce. Okay. Did you ever watch the Bob Fosse uh, movie about him where Dustin Hoffman plays Lenny Bruce? No, I did not. It's amazing. That's I think is the best version of Lenny Bruce, even better than the real life version. The Dustin it, Hoffman. It distills the essence. Tootsie totally. take on it. He's really good at it. Anyway. I I you know, I've not a big Dustin Hoffman fan. Oh, that's and surprising. And it all boils down to years ago they had like an AFI Top 100 Films uh-huh. and Tootsie was mentioned in that. And it was like a TV special about it. Okay. And he was talking about how he was really moved by playing Tootsie because Tootsie, like the, the woman that he was portraying, you know, whatever, that character, uh, wasn't very attractive. And he looked back at his life and thought, he was like started crying, talking about all these unattractive women that he never gave oh, a God. shot. Oh, God, definitely. Because, right. And I was like, you know what, dude? Dude, bro. <laughs> 
And now every time I see him, I'm like, oh, this, oh, you, you Greek god, you Adonis. <laughs> Jeez, you I have never heard that one. Yeah. Well, well, I may have dreamt it. <laughs> you do have very convincing dreams. I do. So, uh, well, setting aside Lenny Bruce and Dustin Hoffman <laughs> now, my dude was Lord Buckley. Do you mm-hmm. know Lord Buckley? Not really. Okay, Lord Buckley was this dude in like right around that time, but a little bit before Lenny Bruce. He wasn't from San Francisco. He would wear tux and tails, and he was like the mid-century alternative comic. He was my dude. This dude was like smoking pot, taking LSD way before Timothy Leary. He hung out with jazz musicians. He was down with Cab Calloway. He was hung out with um, old comedians like Red Fox, Minnie Pearl. He was the kind of dude like... Okay, he wouldn't take high culture and low culture and mix them way before this was ever cool. And he was, that was just his approach. So if he wanted to reference Shakespeare's Mark Anthony line, he'd be like, you know, I'm going to jazz this up. So instead of it being like, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, it's like, hipsters, flipsters, and finger-popping daddies, knock me your lobes. <laughs> right? Like, you know, you have to remember, he's the first one to, like, do some of this stuff outside of, like, the jazz cats in right. the backstage. Like, he's the first person to go up on the stage in front of people and be like, hey, I'm going to do this bit. And he was very earnest about it. He was kind of like the Eminem of comedy where he, he had grown up <laughs> with these people. This is not like him, like, putting on an act. He's like, ah, oh, this is my bit. This is my situation. Situation, right? Uh-huh. But the whole time he's anti-authority, right? And basically my point is, is that he inspired Bob Dylan. Yeah. Bob Dylan got really into him and it was like, oh man, he even recorded one of Bob Dylan's bits called Black Cross because Bu- like, Lord Buckley was always making fun of Jesus. That was like one of his big targets, as I said, anti-authority. And this mm-hmm. is in the 50s with Sanctimonious, right? Mm-hmm. So Arlo Guthrie, another big 60s figure, yeah. his, his bit, House's uh, restaurant is basically directly inspired. The way he did it was inspired by Lord Buckley. So there's a connection between Lord Buckley and the antecedents of this hippie generation, Arlo Guthrie, Bob Dylan, right? Mm -hmm. So my whole point is, is there was a feeling in the air in these places. Lord Buckley was doing it all across the country, but in San Francisco in particular, kind of like crystallizes. You get these waves, the beats, Lenny Bruce, and then the San Francisco mime troupe. Why do mimes make me laugh just like the idea? Well, they're intent, like that's their whole point. But then I don't think you're really laughing with them. No, I think I'm you're not. kind of laughing at them. Correct. Yeah. Well, you just have to understand without them, there'd be no hippies, very likely, right? Uh huh. Now, this San Francisco mime troupe, it was founded in 1959 by R.G. Davis, or as we'll be calling him, Ronnie Davis. Now, for the first few years, they were just doing standard mime fare, you know, white makeup, either the carnivalesque mass or whatever, they had a standard issue Sunday night slot at an indoor theater where they do their mime bit, but they were so bawdy, they were the last act. So everyone else got to do their nightclub bits, and then they're like, bring out the mimes, and then we'll clear out the place, <laughs> right? Now, R.G. Davis, Ronnie, he liked real broad-style Commedia dell'arte, kind of like, you know, let's make fart jokes, let's do big facial expressions, the whole bit. And mm-hmm. also he mixed in political satire, because as I pointed out, that was the spirit of the time if you wanted to be truly hip. Yeah. Right? So the deal that he got in 1962 was with the SF Rex and Parks Department, which allowed the mimes to put on performances in San Francisco's parks and public spaces. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to remember, 
This is a very different San Francisco. This is, like I said, pre-hippie. So you have to imagine, like, families in these parks and, like, a lot of really staunch Catholic families in these parks. This was not the vibe of, like, yeah, let it all hang out. So the deal was the troupe could perform in Washington Square Park in North Beach, which is, as you know, right across the street from Peter and Paul's Cathedral, which is one of the oldest cathedrals mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Yeah, the, it's in the Italian neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. And it is, like, the real, like, wealthy Catholic church. It's like you go there to act proper and like, oh. Well, they still, they do a Latin mass. It, oh, that's I think right. it was like once a month or something. Like that. It was only once a month. They I don't, don't just do it on Sundays at 11 or whatever. Who knows? It used I to be know. the high mass, but yeah. Anyway, to make sure that these mimes didn't run afoul of like these good Catholics, the... SF Rec and Parks Department be like, hey, can we see what you're putting on before? And they're like, oh, of course. And so the deal was they'd show them the script. And they're like, oh. Now, sometimes the Rec and Parks Department be like, oh, we have a couple notes. <laughs> <laughs> and the mimes were like, no notes. <laughs> but uh, you know, the mimes would generally just ignore the notes. And this was fine, right? Until in 1965, the mimes decided to put on a play by the Italian philosopher Giordano Bruno. Do you know Giordano Bruno? Is it somebody who comes Not up personally. in Catholic school? No, like in Catholic girls' school. Like I'm not sure if he came up. He came up in Catholic boys' school because he was a heretic. No, he didn't. Okay, so this dude, like, if you don't know, he's a 16th century Dominican friar, but the dude is like, you know, fight against the church, like straight up Martin Luther style. He basically says, like, to the church, I believe what I believe, which is I believe in reincarnation. I believe in the occult. I believe in alchemy. I'm a mathematician. I'm down with cosmological theories that are Copernicus is putting out, which, if you know, that's like heretical. So he actually even put out the idea that the universe has no center, which is what we presently believe. The dude was on it, right? So Giordano Bruno is like, look, I don't believe in the damnation of souls or the Holy Trinity, the idea of transubstantiation which, as you know, is a good Catholic, is the technical term for, we can take the blood and body of Christ and turn it into bread and wine. He's like, that's nonsense, right? So this dude writes a play. The San Francisco mime troops, like, that's the one we're going to put on. And that's what we're going to do to really send in the spirit of 1965. Now, we'll be back after these messages, and I'll let you know how this chaos ensues. I am loving this. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. 
Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Okay, so your appetite whetted. You wanting to learn more about mimes versus cops? Oh yeah, it's damp. <laughs> the worst I know word. The, ever. I know the spellings. Not Do you know that in German the word for damp or moist, which is pretty much the worst word, moist, is almost as bad to the ear in German as it is in English? What is it? Feucht. Feucht. Yeah, it sounds like you're. You know, foinked. Foinked. Yeah, it means moist. Ooh. Yeah, my German friend, his mother used like German around the house. So I know all these weird expressions and people. She just ran around yelling moist. No, no, but that word jumped out and I was like, what, what is that what word went you keep on saying? Because like she'd talk about this. Like, it would be like if she picked up socks or whatever from the bathroom <laughs> floor. Ew. She's like, Derek, these are foinked. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that all, the, I remember Montutasnicht, which was like, one doesn't do this. Very German. One doesn't leave one's Moist clothing around the house. Not, no, not with her. Not with anybody, really. Okay, so let's get into the SF Mime Troupe. Yes. About to put on a play written by Giordano Bruno, a heretic who gets burned at the stake by the Catholic Church. Now, keep in mind, at this time, the majority of the SFPD were Irish Catholics. Yep. And some Italian Catholics as well. So they're going to just, you know, let that bubble in your mind as you're hearing of what I'm about to drop. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the play that the mimes picked was called Il Candaleo, and that means the candle maker in Italian. Okay? Okay. The story is set in Naples. It tells the story of this candle maker. And the, uh, the real theme, though, it doesn't really matter the plot. This, this theme is about the power of money to corrupt society, which is, as you know, a timeless tale. Of course. Always evergreen. So... R.G. Davis, Ronnie Davis, he decides he'll update this story for San Francisco in the context of his day. So the mime troupe decides, let's adapt this so that the main characters are rewritten as a gay man and a bisexual man who are challenging the idea of courtly love. Interesting. Right? So he says, there's no, no, there's historical precedence for this. It's not just that I'm doing this because Candlemaker is an old Italian euphemism for a sodomite. Oh, boy. So he's like, you know, yeah, person enjoys butt stuff. So he's like, oh. 
Yeah, I think we get that. One. Oh, I mean, not like a. It wasn't like oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodomite, like the other kind of Sodomite. So anyway, so. They make this Renaissance era a play about this love-struck couple. They put on three performances, right? And they're using, they have like these candles that get described as being very phallic. I don't really know because I haven't been able to find a picture. Like, I don't know if they were like melted in a way or if they just like were tubular and people were like, oh, it looks like. A... Anyway, so they're offensive in the park. You know, a bunch of moms <laughs> running around with penis-shaped candles talking about like, you know, courtly love in a new tradition. Now, hold on a second. And when I say offensive, I mean to the Catholics who are like sitting in these parks trying to be reserved family members. Yeah. And when these parks going on, they're like, what's going on with the mimes over There's there? There's a couple dudes running around. Okay, so gotcha. some complaints come into the SF Rex and Park Department, and they decide to hold an emergency meeting, right? Something has to be done about this mime troop corrupting the kids. So the mimes, they have nine performances left on their schedule. They were signed up for 12 performances. They've done three, and the, the complaints are off the hook, right? Now, a really quick question. Go ahead. Lay it on me. They're mimes. Yes. So they're not talking about... How do you... Pr they're, they're miming this play? Oh, I should probably be a little bit forthcoming about this. Apparently, these mimes talk. Oh. Because it's the mime tradition that is not purely a Marcel Marceau, the silent mime. It's yeah. more the Harlequin mime, which is occasionally they can talk, but usually it's going to be minimized. So like one character, the narrator will be talking to someone, then they'll be miming out stuff. So there is verbiage to the play. I a see. lot of it is being done silently. But so they're not, not, just, it's not like just all stuck in boxes and pulling <laughs> No, ropes. it's not like, yeah, exactly. Like trying to break out of glass boxes, hands in the air. No. Okay, because I mean that was the that's thing. a little more '80s and well, miming. I mean you know that I have all those really great celebrity impression skills. Yes, oh yeah, pretty and much. And my Marcel Marceau impression, I'll do it right now. <laughs> it's amazing. How did you do that? I, hold on, I'm back. Okay, that, that was like whoa, Marcel. My mime impression's so good. It's flawless. Thank you. So yeah, so these mimes are sitting in these parks and they're saying lines and they're talking and they're talking about like, you know, love and courtly love and candle making and the families are reacting. So the Rex and Park Department goes, okay, emergency meeting. The general manager is this dude named James Lang. So James Lang decides that He's going to cancel the mime troops permit if he can prove that they're obscene. And he says that, you know, he's a little biased. He says, quote, the mimes are a vulgar travesty, offensive to adults and incompatible with the minds of youth and children. Hmm. Now, he says all this having seen none of their performances. <laughs> of course. Right? He, he just knew in his heart of hearts, these mimes are a threat to the fabric of society. So, the, you know, poor old James Lang's like, but I will have the emergency meeting. So he goes through the formality of it. So they have these people come in, the mimes come in, everyone's packed in the boardroom like a city council meeting. So, you know, just planned chaos. Which city council meetings, any kind of municipal meeting really calls out the best in oh, public comment. Yes. So good. You sat through a few of those. Hell yeah. <laughs> Do you have any highlights? <laughs> Not or? as a speaker. Oh, never. Yeah, long time listener, never time. of Completely. I used to work in local government. Yeah. And we would have these like Tuesday meetings. You'd put the squawk box on and listen to people come up with some pretty outlandish comments. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some interesting theories. Yeah. Yeah. So Ronnie Davis, the Mime True founder, he's the one who basically speaks for the mimes. And in a very solemn voice. <laughs> the rest of them are mimes, man. Exactly, right? He warns the commissioners of the SF Parks and Rec Department, or Rex and Park Department. I don't know why they call it 
Wrecks and Park as opposed to Parks and Rec. I mean, the TV show got it right. Why are you not getting they're it right, switch, SF? They're switching it up, man. Yeah, it's, just, it's hard to say. The mouth's like, oh, I reject it. Because they don't want you to just gloss over it. They want you to stop and consider what you're the saying. The recreations. Yeah, the and recreation the comes first. Yeah, you're rushing to get to Parks. And what about the recreation? isn't just about Parks. What do you do in Parks? You recreate. <laughs> anyway, so Ronnie Davis, he's like, he gets up in a solemn voice and he warns the commissioners of the Rex and Park Department. And he says, what you are doing is a is an attack on Mimes' First Amendment's rights to free speech. Now, like, who is anybody to silence Mimes? I mean, that's just uh, my, not mimes. right. Mimes are right. Mimes <laughs> silence <laughs> don't, mime. don't get in our business, man. Mime on mime silencing. How dare you ask me to be silent? I am a mime, sir. <laughs> so... This tough argument that Ronnie Davis puts forward, the, the commissioners are like, bro, really? Mimes? Free speech? You may want to revisit this one. So they decide, we're going to revoke the permit. Just out of hand. They're like, nope, it's out. So they ban, not only just revoke the permit for the remaining nine performances, they ban the SF Mime Troop from all cities, parks, and public spaces. They're like, if we see you guys, we're sending the wow. cops on you. So Restraining order. The Mime Troop rises up out of their seats in protest, and the mimes begin to sing in one clear voice, we shall overcome. Oh, boy. And they walk out of the boardroom. Accompanied by flute music. Well, of course. Because <laughs> it's, you know, 1965. You really want to send a message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Flute Pop music. Pop out a flute and toodle away. <laughs> With your mimes looking rough. So I don't know why the mimes thought the like unofficial anthem of the civil rights would be like their song, but they went for it. They went for broke, right? The so, mimes like took a knee. Yeah. <laughs> In their kente cloth. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, okay. So now we're, we're two years before the summer of love, right? Mm-hmm. And the mime troops, nobody knows this. You know, but they are basically hurtling the culture towards this. And it's just a, 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 a runaway train headed towards the summer of love, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you how we get there. These mimes, as they become street performers, outlaw street performers, meanwhile, across the bay, we have the free speech movement going yeah. on at UC Berkeley, a real movement. Yeah, talking right? about real stuff, not as just a bunch of randy folk in the, in the park. <laughs> exactly, like they won't let us play po- with our candles. Poking each other with candles. <laughs> so your mother went to UC Berkeley. She's she there did. roughly at this time. This is 1965, so yeah. she could have been on campus. Did she ever talk to you about the free speech she movement? She was cracking mime skulls. <laughs> yeah, she did. She was, she was there. She graduated in, I don't know, 67, I guess. So she clearly is there, yeah. yeah. So yeah. did she ever talk about the free speech movement? And like, you know, like, oh, it was amazing seeing like, you know, whatever. Mario Savio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She has, she'll, she'll, she'll tell you all about that stuff. She also will tell you how she, I think she threw a brick through the window of Bank of America once. Yes. I like this. Yeah. Respect to your moms. Yeah. Always. So you mentioned Mario Savio. He's a personal hero of mine. He has one of the best speeches ever involved in American, you know, movements or political movements, social movements, however you want to look at it. It was on December 2nd, uh, right in front of Sproul Hall. You know Sproul Hall on campus? Yeah, it's okay. like the the kind of center point in mm-hmm. Sproul Plaza is yeah. like where all the speakers would be. Mm-hmm. And on the steps where all the punks would hang out oh, in word. my day. Yeah. Yep. So it's right there in the center. And uh, he basically gives this speech, and it's a great speech, so I'll, I'll just quote it. There is a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears, upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you are free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Mario Savio. It's beautiful. Right? After that, he and 800 people were arrested. 
They didn't sing We Shall Overcome and Walk Out of a Boardroom. (laughs) Anyway, you get the idea. They were about it. That's what the SF mime troupe was kind of hoping to convey, was that level of a real spiritist mundi, a real spiritist of liberation and freedom, and like the human, whatever you want to call it, that je ne sais quoi about what makes us try, makes us want to be more, that spirit, right? I don't like to use liberty and freedom because they've been so co-opted, but that's what we're talking about, and that's what Mario Savio is speaking to, and that's what the mimes are hoping to, you know, get to. Well, I think that's part of his thing where he talks about the machine versus the people, Mm -hmm. that we have to appeal to our absolute humanity and our needs as human beings. And sacrifice our most valuable thing, our bodies, Mm -hmm. the expression of that freedom. Mm -hmm. Now, the mimes, since they don't have Mario Savio, what they do have on their end is a secret weapon. Candles? Billy Graham. Oh, Billy Graham? Yeah. Not Billy Graham. I'm sorry. (laughs) Bill Graham. I said Billy Graham. Bill Graham. It's like, Billy no, Graham, hold be wild. on. Yeah, right? <laughs> Let's pretend it was Billy Graham. That would be even better. This Him and Oral like, Roberts in like a tag team helping yeah. the mimes out. Yeah. I saw a 900-foot Jesus in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, and then you could say that this is their origin story, that I know they all, they began doing their thing before then, but they were so out of control, <laughs> loose living, and then like, you know, something, something went wrong and they felt bad. And Yeah. Yeah, no. Now, okay. Now that you've caught my uh, misspeak, uh, not Billy Graham, the the preacher, but Bill Graham, the promoter. Correct. Do you you have recollections of Bill Graham? He's like a Bay Area oh, yeah. legend. What do you yeah. think of when you first think of Bill Graham? Bill Graham presents all the concerts. Mm-hmm. Totally. They did Day on the Green mm-hmm. at the yep. Coliseum. They got the, yeah, totally. Big amphitheater down south of here. What? They, they, they Shoreline, they renamed the Bill Graham Amphitheater. Oh, did they? Yeah. Sure, it's Shoreline to me forever. Yeah, no, it's still called Shoreline, but it's like the Bill I don't, Graham Shoreline I don't leave building. the house, and I don't talk to anyone outside of my... I have no idea what goes on out there in the world. <laughs> I like that about you. Yeah. So, and for those who don't know, Bill Graham, he was a rock and roll promoter. And in this case, he isn't just like a rock and roll promoter. Like, this is a dude who was a survivor. He escaped the Nazis in Europe as a child. He was 10 years old. He walked across France, makes it to a boat, get, takes a boat to America. Then in America, he's like, I'm going to become famous. He tries to become an actor. He works in New York. He works in L.A. None of that works for him. He ends up in San Francisco, where he ends up taking a job managing a theater company for mimes. Wow. Right? Quite the life. So <laughs> when these bimes get in trouble, it's Bill Graham who comes and says, I got a way to beat the squares. Oh, yeah. And he was a tough one. Exactly. This dude's a survivor. So now these mimes who are out there singing, we shall overcome in board meetings, have a real fighter who's going to show them like how to get stuff done. So he's like, you know what? We can use the press to our advantage because, look, we got a good story. Mimes versus cops everyone's going to be on our side, but we need to make this more dramatic. We need to go and up the stakes. So he's like, I'm going to work the the newspaper men. We're going to give them a story. We're going to tell them there's a big fight coming. So he does what he does best. He starts the hype machine going. He starts papering the town in leaflets, talking about this big event that's going to be coming in Lafayette Park and the Pacific Heights. And then everybody's all primed. Oh, so they're going from the Italian neighborhood to the fancy neighborhood. Exactly, the wealthy neighborhood. And they go, okay, not only are we going to show up there for in a park, illegally as outlaw mimes <laughs> we're telling everybody we're coming so let the cops know we'll be in the park meet yeah. us at high noon the outlaw mimes ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah exactly so after a very short break i'll be back with the confrontation mimes versus cops as bill grams present <laughs> the tension Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with 
naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Okay, Elizabeth. Zarin. Now, normally, I'd say this to you much earlier, but in this story, I needed to set the stage before I got to these magic words. I want you to picture it. Ah, yes. It's August 7th, 1965 in San Francisco. You're in a public park. There are roughly 8,000 people there with you. The police are there, too. The commissioner of the SF Rex and Parks Department are there. And a few city luminaries. In fact, there's Lawrence Ferlinghetti, the owner of City Lights Bookstore. Now, the beats, that spirit, is there in Lawrence Ferlinghetti. But we're way past that now. This is a different type of abandon and a different type of rejection of the norms, right? So you're sitting there in this park with the spirit of Lenny Bruce in the air, the spirit of the beats. It's around 2 p.m. The crowd grows tense with anticipation. Mm -hmm. You can feel the shift come as the SF Mime Troop enters the park in direct violation of the SF Rex and Park Department's ban of them. The cops are there to enforce it. The gathered crowd falls to a hush because they're mimes. I don't know why. But but I'm in the crowd. Yeah. I do the uncomfortable... (coughs) cough while everyone's quiet. Oh, sorry. And then I turn and I whisper to someone. I'm like, what? What's going on here? 
Are those mimes? What? Are, what's the? And they're like, shh, lady, stop. No, no, just quick question. Do you have a mint? <laughs> so Ronnie Davis, founder of the Mime Troupe, he is taking the place of the lead actor because that guy has some arrest issues. He's like, look, I can't do this, man. So he's like, he's I got a you, warrant. bro. Yeah, <laughs> no, he literally does. So he's like, I cannot get arrested again. So Ronnie's like, I got you, boo. So he pulls on his Commedia del Art mask, and then he addresses the crowd in a grand voice. Senor, senora, signorini, madame, monsieur, mademoiselle, ladies and gentlemen, Il Tropo di Mimo di San Francisco presents for your appreciation today, an arrest. And then he leaps, does a pirouette in midair, and he lands in the arms of a waiting cop. <laughs> the cop immediately arrests him. Now, this is like the end of that. Uh... I don't know, just the leaping and the... It makes me think of that Vonnegut short story, Harrison Bergeron. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh. Okay. Have to, yeah, yeah, read it. Uh, but I'm also thinking if I'm in the crowd and he leaps up and everyone's like all gasping, I'm just going to go, corny. <laughs> 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 well, the crowd was a little nicer. They just began to boo and jeer. The cops, uh, they're like, no, um, this is nonsense. The cops take Ronnie Davis and they throw him in a car. Meanwhile, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, elegant as always, steps mm -hmm. out of the crowd and begins to read the rest of the production of Il Candelario. So he reads The Candlemaker aloud and the crowd's like, oh, this is great. So just like Bill Graham planned it, the newspaper men there love it. Oh, they yeah. got a mime versus cop fight. They got Lawrence <laughs> Ferlinghetti coming out to read a dirty play. It's awesome, right? So it's got it all. It's got mimes. It's got <laughs> now, the novelist Herb Gold, I don't know if you know him, he's a San Francisco native. He was there that day and he recalled uh, mm -hmm. of the cops that, quote, at the time, the police in San Francisco were almost entirely conservative Catholic Irish with a few Italians. There was a lot of feelings in the old Catholic community that San Francisco was going to hell because of immoral actions. And the mime troupe was always radical. For them to take the stage in a San Francisco park where nice little children could run with their nice little dogs offended the establishment. Yeah. 1965. There it is. So the squares have no idea what these mimes have just about are just about to unleash on them. Like they they think mimes are bad. Yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> so at the time, the uh, mimes business manager, Bill Graham, he successfully turns this fight into a much bigger story. So now the SF Chronicle is writing about it. The community is supporting the mimes. People are turning it into a, we need to protect the creative arts. This is a First Amendment fight. This is the government trying to squelch uh, our ability to be who we are. And Bill Graham's like, this is awesome. This is perfect. Now we just need to keep this going. So he's like, let's come up with a, like, uh, some money for your legal fight. We're going to definitely need a lot of money to keep this fight going. So he's like, a benefit show. So he's like, we're going to do it. So he's like, this will be the perfect kind of cash to take care of it. So he's like, we'll just get some of these uh, local musicians to, uh, you know, put on a show. We'll charge the kids to come in. And this is how Bill Graham found rock and roll. Bill Graham presents is founded Saving the First to Save Amendment. Mime Troops, right? Wow. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea. No, I, dude, honestly, I was just about to tell you this. Do you know who also was a San Francisco local and a mime? No. Robin Williams. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right? The you, suspenders and everything. Did you ever see Shakes the Clown? Yes. Right, do you remember the mimes versus clowns fight? 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like, oh, they're all really anti mime. Right. Yeah. I was going to bring that up earlier, but it's just, you know. anyway, like <laughs> that movie, check painful. out Shakes the Clown. So now back to the mimes with the city of San Francisco. So after their mime troop arrest, Bill Graham goes to work to raise the money for the legal fight. He's like, okay, I need to do a benefit show. He's like, I already got everyone paying attention. So he puts out leaflets and he's like, okay, I just need to get some acts. So he goes and he finds a band that just started and basically formed three months earlier. And he's mm -hmm. like, will you guys play? And they're like, yeah, sure. He's like, what should I put on the uh, poster? They're like, Jefferson Airplane. Whoa. So Jefferson Airplane plays a show, one of their first shows, right? Wow. Yeah, and this is all to support a mime troop versus the SFPD. <laughs> so the crowd comes, history is made. The benefit show is not just a success, it is a wild success. They make $35,000 in today's money. It was like $3,000. Yeah. Back, right? Wow. Big time. So then Bill Graham's like, Oh, we got something, baby. So he then buys a musical venue and it's like, let's put on a new show. So the musical venue ends up being called The Fillmore. A lot of music history gets made there. Yeah, it does. So he then puts on the second benefit show. This one is dubbed The Appeal for Continued Freedom of the Arts. This time, 2,000 people show up. The bands that perform are The Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, and Big Brother and the Holding Company. Wow, it's Janis Joplin, right? With Janis Joplin, thank you. Yes. Wow. Did you know that my ancestors built the house that Janis Joplin eventually lived in? I did know that. In fact, I used to try to tell you that and you wouldn't listen. I know. I was just, just resistant You're just, to no, it. no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, they were like, like yes, 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 crooked builders. No, I love that about your family. Yeah, me too. The stories of them in the Bay Area just always... <laughs> well, in the Fillmore, you mentioned the Fillmore, uh -huh. right? My brother, Travis, he played the Fillmore when he was like... 14 or 15 with oh, wow. the band that he was in at the time they opened for I think it was Rancid mm -hmm. and uh, so we walk in and my mom was all stoked to go and we were like gonna sit up in like the backstage area and she walks in and she looks around she's like I haven't been here since wow I don't know when it was but the last time when I was a, in my early 20s I was thrown out of here for punching a lady. <laughs> and now if you know my mom, yes, she's like... That is so unlike your mother. Yeah, she's just like this little like guru, mm. peaceful, loving, yeah, compassionate. compassionate. Mm -hmm. I don't know what someone did to tick her off. But she must not have been acting right. That's what I hear in yeah, that story. Yeah, straighten right out. But yeah, she was like, I was, last time I was here, I got thrown out. And now I get to see my little baby boy play. Oh, yeah, full fun. circle. Full circle. So, yeah. Uh, there you go, the Fillmore. That all that history starts because of the success of these early Bill Graham presents. So now I know this is not exactly the Stonewall Riot, but this is like something, right? So this this mime troupe kicks off this like spirit of a fight in San Francisco to protect the creative arts. They get the all these bands starting to play together, and Bill Graham gets like uh, the summer of love to start to take the stage one year before it actually takes over the whole city. Well, it's like you see that, well, we say it's no Stonewall riot. It's it's an uprising, not just for the First Amendment, but you see that to kind of what's going against the culture in the city at the time is that conservatism mm -hmm. and they're evolving. And, and a religious-based conservatism. Yeah, and they're, they're, so they the know mimes, they're right, you're as, wrong. As much as I like to goof on how silly they yeah. must have looked, they're, they're including people, mm -hmm. you know, and of gestures, different sexuality, I mean, you know. That, oh, yeah. Including them into this public space and public performance, you know, they telling their stories. As yeah, well, they yeah. tell their stories. Mm -hmm. they, you know, they exist. So how about they get to be a part of these stories and make it loosen it up a bit? Yeah. And so 
It, it's a, it is. It's an important thing. Silly, <laughs> ridiculous is all get out. But it's about but it's you know, important. that human freedom. Yeah. So October 27th, 1965, Ronnie Davis goes on trial for the obscene actions of his mime troupe, right? Trial lasts four days, which means it concludes on Halloween. That's amazing. Perfect, right? Did they, so mime. Did they come in costume? Oh, no. Unfortunately, he actually did respect the court. Oh. So. Did the jury come in costume? <laughs> that would be amazing in respect for the solidarity. I always like in offices where there's like one or two people who commit and come in costume on Halloween and other people aren't dressed up. Oh, yeah. Or there's my other favorite Imagine Halloween Imagine jury thing. duty like that. Yeah, there's like a lady as a late dressed as a ladybug, and everyone else is just normal clothes. But I like on Halloween when you see someone who's not in a costume, and you tell them you like their costume, <laughs> and they just have that moment of doubt. Like, oh, I'm like, not, but I'm. Oh, what must I look like? Yeah. Good stuff. So the judge is this dude, Fitzgerald Ames, right? And he decides this is some nonsense, this whole Mimes versus SFPD and the SF Rex and Parks Department. So he's like, look, the issue comes down to, did the SF Rex and and Parks Department have the right to cancel this? And then they're like, well, actually, no, I said yes or no. And so he basically limits everybody to this one question. And once that comes down to it, it's like, well, easy case. Ronnie Davis gets uh, popped for a one-year probation and 60 days suspended sentence. He's mm. immediately convicted because, you know, guilty as charged in the eyes of Judge Ames. Yeah, that this they, is not easy. It's they not can difficult. revoke a permit. Easily. It's their right. It's their. It's legal. Then mm-hmm. they crossed the line. They did it. Boom. So in response, Ronnie Davis, never one to miss the drama, he gets up and he shouts, I don't think the issue of free speech was considered for a mime fight. (laughs) This is like an Iron Curtain country. Because, you know, it's the mid-60s, so they're watching the Soviet Union spread across Europe. So that's what he compares it to. It's like these days when people are like, this is the Holocaust. I'm not allowed at Arby's, you know? (laughs) So, okay. In the coverage of the trials and the events leading up to it, the SF media, uh, so you got like jazz journalist Richard Gleason who writes for The Chronicle, they're all covering this. And they're doing such a respectable job that the ACLU gets involved because mm. they're connecting it to the beats. They're connecting to Lenny Bruce's fights. They see this as one continuous fight. ACLU's like, all right, we pop in there. So the Defenders of Freedom roll up. We got, we got a lawsuit, son. They drop that. And all of a sudden, the city of San Francisco is like, oh, no, the ACLU. So the SF Rex and Park Department, they're like, well, we're going to stonewall them. And they basically try to, like, fight the ACLU. So the lawsuit drags on. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. old James Lang, the manager of the Re- SF Rex and Parks Department, mm-hmm. what does he do to like help things along? He approves a permit to the American Nazi Party to have like a rally in a park. So he's denying. Wait, well, wait, well, he wait, won't wait. let mimes gather, but he'll let Nazis gather. And he's like, is, well, they, they have the, you know, the right. He just fruits. laid his cards on the table. Exactly. So never a good look when you're banning mimes and allowing Nazis. That's, you know, just. Oh. On the rule book. There you go. Dude. Anyway, the ACLU keeps pushing, and in 1966, the mimes win their court case against the city. Well, I would certainly hope so. Right? Yeah, exactly. So they actually makes it all the way up to California Superior Court. This judge, Judge Koresh, rules that the SF Rex and Parks Department commission was not legally allowed to censor the performances or to determine the content of their performance. So that the makes mime sense. troop wins out ultimately on free speech. Wow. Anyway. Well, it's freedom of expression. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So the the ruling leads to DA changing the city's rules about the use of city's parks and public spaces, and which happens to coincide in 1966, one year before hippies descend and take over the entire city, and no one has a legal apparatus to stop them. Nice. So the Mimes fight allows the city to not only have a spirit going into the summer love, but actually a physical, legal presence. So nice. on two fronts, they win. And the novelist Gold recalled that 
This was, quote, It was one of the things that opened the door of artistic freedom in San Francisco. You could see the mime troupe's actions that day as a hyphen between the beats and the hippies. Well said, Herb Gold. That's fantastic. So basically, you know, to put a fine point on it, in this grand fight for human freedom, these mimes took on the SFPD and set the stage both legally and in physical space for the ACLU to help them clear the way for the summer of love to occur. That's incredible. Right? So what's our ridiculous takeaway with this one? I, I think that sometimes things will look ridiculous on the surface. Mimes is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. <laughs> I'm talking mimes. Mimes, on. basically ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't want to insult mimes, but I'm going to insult mimes. Yeah, just it's lightly kind of a, step on their feet. Sure, their it's not for everybody. Memory. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we have like a classical notion of like that, that caught in a box mm-hmm. rope pulling, yeah. right? And like the white face paint and that kind of stuff. Totally. And so that looks ridiculous on the surface, but the actual mission of it to say you have a right to express yourself. And as long as you're not like the performance isn't slitting the throats of innocence. Yeah. Then, totally. You know, and all, all, go nuts. all theater ultimately is about reifying the human condition and saying that we matter, that our yeah. lives and what, you know, all of the stuff, the, the little things, the big things, it is, right. but human beings. We have a value that is intrinsic, and it isn't not because of who, what you do or how much you have, but you and your interests are well, important. You've you've presented a story here today that is multifaceted in its use of the word ridiculous. So there's ridiculous <laughs> silly. It's a ridiculous There's time. ridiculous, like, this is ridiculous how incredible, yeah. like, this, mm-hmm. what a historical thing is. It's sort of ridiculous that this isn't known by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Straight up ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So my ridiculous takeaway for this one is never go against a mime in a fight for dignity. <laughs> the mime will always win. And yeah, it's because their idea of dignity is lower than yours. <laughs> they're a mime. I'm sorry, mimes. I know. I'm sure I tease, that they're but nice honestly, people. I liked mime or my mimesis, mimery, whatever you call it. Like, I don't know what you call I it. would totally do that stuff. I was a clown for my years. Mi- mimography? For like, we had a nutcracker performance wait, we did in my wait, hometown. Were, wait, wait, back. I was a were... clown happily. I was a clown in the nutcracker, which you're like, wait a minute, there's no clowns in the nutcracker performance. <laughs> there were in my hometown, and I killed it. They wrote it in for you. Yes, exactly. That's I was a star. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Dutton. And, and little old me, I'm Zaren Burnett. You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You got a tip for us about a ridiculous crime that you'd like to hear about? Do you want to confess to a ridiculous crime? Hit us up. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Well, thanks for having us, and uh, we'll be back next time with another ridiculous crime. I'm just miming right now. <laughs> that was pretty good. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by Dave. Meet me at the Jazz Workshop, Kustin. Research is by Marissa Brown and The Holden Company. The theme song is by Thomas Comedia Lee and Travis Del Art Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, Mime to See Ya, Bolin, and Noel, I didn't say nothing, Brown. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. 
With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.